0: super talk mississippi media production
1: hello ladies and gentlemen this is jamie Creel with shelter insurance come see how we have built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our switch and save located in ridgeland and florida mississippi give us a call 601-992-6000 this is gerard gibbert and thank you for listening to middays here on super talk mississippi get ready get ready to go beyond
0: the headlines
1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbard, along with Rhino in the Element Well Studios, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music on this
2: Friday Eve,
1: the last before Christmas. We are here, cozy and warm at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but. What about this weather coming through? Okay, so I reviewed the latest forecast map from the National Weather Service. We discussed this yesterday, and recall the map as we described it yesterday separated the state into three distinct threat categories, extreme and significant and elevated. Well, that extreme area, region, shaded in purple on the state of Mississippi map, it uh, extended across the northern tier of the state, you could call it maybe the top 20% in terms of land region of the state, and sort of draw a line from Clarksdale in the east, excuse me, the west on the river, all the way across to Tupelo, they're sort of at the same level, I guess, north and south. So that would be the same longitudinal point, if you're keeping score. But just draw a line across that. That's what we had yesterday. And then everything below that, south of that line formed between Clarksdale and Tupelo. Most of the central part of the state was in that significant weather threat region. And then you sort of had the bottom 20% of the, so, of the state, the Three coastal counties and the and the counties just north of them adjacent. well now the point that I'm leading up to is the purple, the extreme that has been dropped to the south now encompassing I'd say the top forty percent of the state in uh, the Delta region Cleveland Greenwood Greenville, Yazoo City still in the significant Jackson's still in this significant, but now the purple, the severe, includes Greenwood, Eupora, Columbus. It's dropped down. What happened? I guess it's going to be colder. The bomb cyclone
2: is stronger.
1: What the heck? is? I heard that yesterday, the bomb cyclone. I don't think I've ever heard that terminology.
2: I think it's just a name they've given to a, a certain type of really bad storm that occurs If I'm not mistaken, it occurs only in the fall or winter. I have no idea the meteorological reasoning behind (laughs) it, but I do know they expect, in some places like the northeast and the midwest, hurricane force winds and near tropical levels of precipitation. When you combine those two things with the extreme cold, you get the Arctic blast bomb cyclone. Never heard that. You ever heard that before? Bomb cyclone? I've heard it, but I... I've never quite fully wrapped my head around it. Well, why the
1: word bomb? I mean, I get cyclone, right? That just refers to wind.
2: Yeah, the cyclone Compressed part is the wind. hurricane force winds, yeah. and the bomb, I believe, is because of how much precipitation it dropped. Okay. Like the example that I saw and in, in what I was reading earlier today is a bomb cyclone that hit the northeast dropped two feet of snow with 80 to 100 mile an hour winds. Okay. So... But that's never a good time. No.
1: Uh, You know, just a a phrase, right, just has a a bit of an ominous tone to it. Bomb and cyclone together. That just don't sound good.
2: Sounds like a sci-fi action horror film, like Sharknado. (laughs) Well, uh, it's going to be
1: cold here and blustery, right, in central Mississippi. Across the entire state, strong winds, cold temperatures... Not fit for man nor beast, as they say, right? And but the northern region of this country, the mid the upper Midwest, brutal. So I just saw like a report before I came in the studio here, I got an update, a notification on my phone. I'm looking for it on the news site here that um I guess there was a state that's already receiving this cold weather as this front moves across.
2: I want to say I saw footage from a trooper's dash cam. I think it was in either Wyoming or Wisconsin. I know it started with a W. But it looked like he was in the frozen tundra of the extreme north up around the North Pole. It was just constant... White. It was what they call a whiteout. Like you could not see the hood of the car, let alone in front of the vehicle. Okay. Well, it just looks like we're in for
1: some really tough stretch of weather here. And uh, just don't look good. But stay safe. Get the pets inside. Why do we even have to say that? It's mind-boggling. But that is uh, honestly the truth there, the kind of stuff that's going on. Yeah, I can't find where it is. But there is a state that has already started to receive, you would have to think it's in the north-northwest, perhaps, as that front sweeps across the country from west to east and then plunging south as well, it's already reporting really brutal weather conditions.
2: On the Ceasefire text line, it looks like we have an actual definition for the the meaning of bomb cyclone. Okay. From the six six two, they say bomb cyclone is a term given to a rapidly strengthening storm that fulfills one important criterion. Generally, pressure must drop twenty four millibars. Okay. That's a unit of pressure within yep. twenty four hours. Okay. Well, that does look like what's about to happen. As this
1: is the current air mass. Rapidly is overtaken by
2: a low pressure system, right? That's moving in. Which I believe they have named Elliot. Huh. Elliot. Or maybe that's the name of the bomb cyclone. I'm just looking at the weather. So
1: it qualifies for that, for
2: a naming. Is that right? Even though. I mean, they started naming everything now.
1: <laughs> Even though it's over land. I, I mean, it's not out in the waters. Interesting. Bomb Cyclone Elliot. <laughs> Gosh. David from Bruce says, This is global warming. It's climate change. David, get it right. <laughs> uh, interesting night before Christmas, says Carol in Starkville. From a weather perspective, you're dang right. I don't know that I've ever seen it quite that frigid on uh, Christmas Eve. Hmm.
2: Santa's going to have his long red coat on.
1: Yeah, guarantee you. Speaking of frigid, the markets have turned frigid. What a sell-off going on today, folks. Just depressing. The Dow down 473, 1.42%. The NASDAQ really down a lot today, 267 So much for the Santa Claus rally. It ain't coming prior to Santa Claus. There are some of the economists, the investment analysts, that are predicting that next week may see uh, some rallies. But right now, the rally is to the downside. It's a sell rally, if there is such a thing. And that's after a pretty decent showing yesterday in the markets. And I think this is general negative sentiment about the economy. The jobs report out today. uh, Unemployment claims, eh. Increased two th- by 2000 relative to last week. That's really not, it's really negligible. And once again, that's just more fuel for the interest rate hiking fire that Jerome Powell is embarking on. I did catch Rhino, something we've talked about on the program. Now the Wall Street Journal's talking about it. I must say, I take a little bit of perverse pride in that, and that is this. The Fed and the government are at odds. The Fed busy raising interest rates to uh, um, address inflation, but they're fighting a stupid federal government that's determined to just keep putting money out there. It's dumb. It's like... You, you got if you imagine a fire and you got one party that's got the hose on it and the other party's got the gas on it. That's exactly what's happening here. So essentially, the Fed is contending with an uncooperative federal government. It does appear that senators have reached a deal on the omnibus spending bill. By the way, the last sticking point related to Title 42, the pandemic era. Um, immigration policy that was uh, passed under Trump, enacted under Trump. We've talked about that, so that was scheduled to expire. The court stepped in and said, no, we're going to keep it in place temporarily.
2: They're arguing about all the legalese and whether or not it can be a majority vote or it needs to be 60 votes. Yes, exactly. This
1: is not how to run the place. I can't emphasize it enough. I'm so, as you can tell, upset about this. Drake Bassett, President and CEO of Palmer Home, joins us next on Middays. We're coming right back.
3: Point three.
0: Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. Right. On Super Talk Mississippi. Uh-huh. Let's do
3: into the sunset strip. So I gonna make a happy trip tonight while the moon is bright. Gonna have a bag of crazy toys. To the up, the and boys
1: all day. The great Louis Armstrong bumping us into this segment here on midday, Super Talk, Mississippi, in the Element Well studios. Joining us now, Drake Bassett, president and CEO of Palmer Home. Drake, good to see you. Check your audio there, Drake. You got it? Okay, Uh-oh. We got you now. You're good. Got me now, yes, good. sir. How you I'm doing? doing? Great, good, good, good. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Give us a, a report on the year at Palmer Home. How'd it go this year?
3: Well, I appreciate that. You know, I was listening to you before before it came on, and I was thinking about the fact that um, you know politics and budgets and all those kinds of things are, are frustrating for all the right reasons, and 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 I agree with you from my seat, I, I would observe, setting my personal politics aside, <clears throat> what people don't realize is when you play with the economy and you, 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 know, you gin up the, uh, uh, the, you know, the money and, and put that out there and you create an economy that's struggling, that directly affects families who are just, you know, trying to make ends meet and they are already under strain for a variety of reasons. Um, and I, all I'm saying is, is that it's, it's not just our 401ks and uh, things like that. You start putting pressure on that element in society that's already struggling. And we wind up working with those families and those children because those families can't take the pressure. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that's the only reason why families come apart. I'm saying it's an additional factor. And in the past year, you know, you say, how's the year going? Well, we're blessed. Uh, because there are people who are committed to to keep this mission moving but we have been very busy talking to families who are under a lot of pressure uh, and uh, those those problems and challenges of, of being a family dynamic are real but they're compounded when when things are disruptive uh, you know across the country being able to go to work and get a fair wage come home put food on the table you know which we've talked before Gerard about kids coming to Palmer home who you know, They worry about, is that next meal going to be there the next day? They worry about, you know, you're talking about this cold temperature. Um, Some of them have gone home, you know, to their lives previous to coming to Palmer home and there's no electricity. Uh, And you just think about tomorrow night and having no electricity and having no heater and having no predictable food and the water being turned off. That's not a very Merry Christmas for anybody.
1: Hmm. It's such a great point, and I and I appreciate you sharing that, Drake. Honestly, because uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, we we get wrapped up in in discussing and analyzing all the particulars and the details of all this complex policy, and and just how the sausage is made, and and the government functions, and 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 those people, frankly, in government. And I am not calling out anybody here, uh, independently or individually, but you know they're hold up. Um, arguing and debating and deliberating all these various fine points of policy. But what you're talking about, Drake, is you're witnessing this, you're experiencing this, your organization is dealing with this at the grassroots level in real life. It's real. And I think that gets overlooked to a great extent. And no child for sure should ever have to worry about where their next meal's coming from, whether or not uh, they're going to have uh, a heated residence to live in, and it's just, it just feels like it's amplified that concern w- when we're talking about Christmas and the holidays, and I know you guys are dealing with that firsthand. I, so I appreciate you sharing that with us. It, I think it brings it into perspective, and it, it personifies it. It, it uh, discusses and attests to the reality of uh, these issues?
3: I, I, it makes it very real uh, to me, because when I listen to people talk about, you know, choices that we're going to make in terms of, you know, how our uh, economy is going to operate, or the money that we're putting in different places, or how we spend all of these tax dollars, and, and, and the, the choices we make, you know, I, I'd like to think that back through American history, I know, you know, we're not we're not a perfect country. We know that. But the reality is, is that, you know, you, you, you work to create a market that allows people to provide and you want to give that market all the opportunity it can so that people can, in fact, right, literally provide for their families. Yep. And, and when you, when you start to put a strain on that, then you might as well get ready for a number of other challenges. And when you look at other parts of the world, one of the most, one of the biggest challenges they have are the results that some of those policies have created for their children. And so we read about Eastern Europe and we read about Africa and we read about Central America, well, you you know you, you sign up for those same policies, you're going to have those same problems yeah, here.
1: That's a great so, point. I just saw uh, yesterday, Rhino. You may have seen this as well. I believe the Taliban is now has now put a ban on any education of females. Any education yeah. of females. This is insane. Um, it's hard to believe yeah. that uh, we're, we're they're still observing what are really completely corrupt, unfair, and arcane policies like that, cultural policies, that we're not going to allow the, the young females to go to school. That's just incredible. Yeah.
3: Well, it is, you know, and, and we, we, if, if you just look at the arc of, of, of our history and the arc of other countries, you evolve out of chaos into civilization. That's right. And you put principles on the table. But if you start to take those principles back off the table, then you slide back into chaos. That's
1: exactly right. And,
3: you know, so unfortunately, you know, we're either not paying attention to our history or we're not paying attention to what's right in front of us. But when you make those choices and you all of a sudden things start to come apart, you know, you're looking around saying, what's going on? Well, we shouldn't be surprised. It's but true. we are, and we're disappointed, and it's hard to put it all back together. Very hard. Uh, that's why it was so hard to create it in the first place.
1: Exactly
3: uh, right. So I, I do think about our, our families. I think about you know, our, our um, the marketplace. I think about all these things that working together, um, our churches, our, our, our families being able to involve themselves in the things that sustain civilization. And when you have that, then children benefit from that and and people have opportunities for good lives. Uh, You take it away it puts a big strain on that. So Palmer home does find itself in a good place. We have a number of good things happening, but it's been interesting to me to talk to some of these families and see that uh, along with some of the traditional challenges, there's also the pressure because that, that pressure, just like we talked about during COVID how people were losing their jobs. What did that lead to? Well, it led to an increase in alcoholism. It led to an increase in in, in abuse in the home. It, uh, it it led to a lot of challenges. So, when societal pressures, you know, squeeze, sometimes they squeeze those homes and little children need need our help, and that's yeah, why we're here.
1: Such a good point, and you know, and they're they're just uh, kind of the bystanders that get swept up in whatever the chaos is, and and they ultimately. Uh, become the the victims of these situations
3: they do well, the fact that in the last twenty four hours we reviewed uh, two immediate situations and, um, and we took in um, we took in one young lady uh, and uh, you know we're talking you know under ten years of age wow and 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 i 'm thinking three days out from christmas and and, and this is what 's going to happen and you know i know she'll be well taken care of here and i want to thank all the listeners who continue to support what palmer home does but if you want to know what palmer home does you know the doors are open three days two days one day we'll be open on christmas day if a child needs to come here and that's that's you know that that's a blessing to that child as painful as it all is but it's also you know it's an important responsibility and i'm i'm grateful that that Mississippi and, and Palmer home have the opportunity to be there for those children.
1: Tell us uh, how folks can give a Drake.
3: Well, I always appreciate that, you know, PalmerHome.org. You can go to our website and uh, there are a variety of ways to donate. You can become a monthly donor or you can just do a one-time Christmas gift. Um, but I, I think as we've discussed here today, Gerard, you know, that that money immediately makes things like this possible. We've got beds available. Food, things like that. That electricity will be on yeah. because of gifts. Yeah. So I thank you for, for asking me about that.
1: Yeah, and we so enjoyed uh, the Radiothon last year at the uh, fantastic new facility that you guys uh, are now operating in, which is just unbelievable, and, and it should be that way, given the mission and the work you're doing. Drake, appreciate you coming on Middays, giving us an update as always, and, and God bless you, the team. And, and certainly those who you're taking care of, man, I certainly hope they have a happy, healthy, and merry, joyful, peaceful Christmas. Appreciate it, Drake. You too, my friend.
3: Appreciate those good words. Thank you, Gerard. We'll do all we can. Have a great Christmas. Good to see you.
1: Yes, sir. Middays, stepping aside for a break. Coming right back. Stay with us.
0: Days with Gerard Gibbert. It is awesome on. on Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: Christmas cookie. You got your Christmas cookie.
1: You got the best taste of Christmas cookie that I ever seen. I learned the way to cover with sugar and spice. Heating in the oven, it smells so nice. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk, Mississippi, in the Element Well Studios. From Stillwater, Oklahoma, this is from Terry on the C Spire text line. My brother lives there. It's three degrees now, minus 17 wind chill. Started at 10 this morning, a little bit of snow. But not much in the forecast. I'm sure all of you are in the same Siberian blast. Fortunately, not supposed to last but three to four days. Merry Christmas to you and Rhino. Appreciate that, Terry. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for the weather report. So Stillwater, that's where Oklahoma State is, right? Oklahoma State University? Yes. Norman is where the University of Oklahoma is located. Oh, I'm seeing it on the screen right now. Snowstorm wallops Minnesota. Jeez. Minneapolis. Looking at live shots of Minneapolis. And you know what song they're playing? Cold as Ice by Foreigner. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a propose. Oh, wow. So it's headed this way, right, to the Magnolia State. My son and daughter-in-law were scheduled to depart for her home in Texas, going to be with her family uh, throughout the holidays. They were scheduled to depart tomorrow, but decided to head over today, concerned about precipitation coming through as predicted. And then the cold behind that, perhaps freezing the roads and making them a little bit more difficult to navigate. So they headed over. But right now, I'm not sure. Are we going to get any precipitation? There was some forecast for it today
2: in I mean, advance of the cold weather. Yeah, there's supposed to be a, a bit of rain and showers that move through. If you're north of Highway 82, you might even see a few flurries after the sun goes down right when the temperatures start dipping and the rain's getting out of here. But uh shouldn't be any accumulation. and. Unless it's in a low lying area where the, the water's pooling up on the roads or something, you're probably not going to have to worry about much ice. Okay. Thankfully. Well, so it's mainly just a cold event. Right. I guess. The bomb cyclone. <laughs> which that'll be the Midwest and the Northeast having to deal with that. Yeah.
1: Obviously, you have never been invited to a blizzard which a bomb cyclone can bring, says Mike from Grand Bay, Alabama. No, I have never been invited to a blizzard. I have, uh, I have been in extremely frigid, cold temperatures with blustery winds. That in uh, Chicago, the wind, uh, the windy city. I never forget that. I may have talked about that on the program before, but was a young man in my early twenties. There I was working up there and a front similar to this, an event pushes through Chicago. I'm downtown right there on State Street, Michigan Avenue, and of course the lake (laughs) right there, which uh, seems to cool off the air and force more wind down through the city. And the tall buildings, of course, which deflect the wind and push it down the streets. And I'm walking and it's sleeting, and the wind chill is well below zero, and I got what clothes I have on. Of course, when you're younger, your body can withstand that sort of cold a little better than it can when you get old. But what I remember is the precipitation hitting me in the face. I didn't have anything to put over my face. I did have a little scarf around my, my mouth and so forth. But anyhow, to see, you know, I didn't have anything on my eyes. Well, the sleet... <laughs> is uh, accumulating between my eyebrow and my eyelid. And so my eyelids got frozen stuck to my eyebrow, and I could not blink. Never had that experience before or after. And in Chicago, if you're familiar with that, lots of the, the stores and shops restaurants and so forth have a little, at least back then, this is 40 years ago, a little foyer sort of entry area where they've got heaters positioned up on the walls near the ceilings that blow out heat, fan-forced heat. And I had to step in like a Walgreens or something and thaw out my eyes (laughs) so that I could blink again. That was the coldest I've ever been, for sure, and the most impact of cold that I can ever remember, where you couldn't blink. It's a weird feeling. You don't realize how much you do that until you can't anymore, I guess.
2: I don't know why this conversation reminds me of the video of Jim Cantore getting excited (laughs) about thundersnow. (laughs) Like euphoric. If you've never seen that video, just Google (laughs) thundersnow. It should be one of the first things that comes up. But it's Jim Cantore standing out in like hip, deep snow, and then it thunders, and he just goes bananas like a kid at Christmas.
1: Yeah. Well, he's the weather guy, right? He is, uh, you don't want to see him coming when they're talking hurricanes, that's for sure. Holiday travel chaos, looking at the figures on that 1,726 flights delayed since yesterday, 2,653, uh, pardon me, canceled, 2,653 delayed, 1,700 plus canceled, 2,600 plus delayed. What a problem that's going to cause. I really hate it for those who are planning to travel. For Christmas, the holidays, especially people that are gathering up with their families, kind of a sad uh, deal. The Dow uh, just touched being down north of 500. It pulled back uh, again, shed a little bit of that loss, now down 496, which is pretty close to 500. Rhett and Ridgeland says, The first time I drove in snow was in Colorado the day before Halloween. I had to bring guys to the airports a couple hours away, they got 30 inches of snow in three hours, and this country mouse was white-knuckling the steering wheel at 25 miles per hour. And it is just, it's common, obviously, up there. They, they deal with it. They manage through it. It is kind of crazy, especially if you're up in the mountains
2: driving through. Well, in fairness, their infrastructure <laughs> is built a little differently. It is. Like, if you, the farther north you get, the more and more flat roads you see. And those are a lot better for snow and ice and that kind of stuff because you're not being forced to the side of the road like you are when it ices and snows here in Mississippi because the majority of roads that are paved are crowned. True. Where the the center line is higher than the sides of the road so that rainwater will wash off. Yeah. But if it freezes, that makes it really Mm -hmm. difficult to drive. Pushes you down in the shoulder of the ditch, right? constantly fighting to stay centered.
1: Yeah. Good point. On the ceasefire text line by the way, that's 601-879-4395 if you'd like to join the conversation. Was snowboarding a few years back in Vancouver and a big storm came out of nowhere with crazy wind. 15 minutes after it hit my beard frozen solid and started breaking off, the broken beard. So you got to stay out of that. You watch me? out. <laughs> Steve in Gulfport, I won't be listening tomorrow, so I wanted to wish Gerard and Rhino a Merry Christmas. Be safe. Appreciate that, Steve. And same to you. Have a very Merry Christmas. We really appreciate that. William and Brandon says, in my opinion, if any law enforcement sees an animal chained up out in the elements tonight through Sunday, it should be instant felony. I'm certainly... Lean, I lean towards uh, harsher penalties for that sort of animal abuse as well, William. Uh, I do agree with that, and it's, it's, it's so maddening. I mean, obviously, uh, humans are held at a, at a higher level uh, than, than animals, but that is no excuse to mistreat animals whatsoever. And It's still a
2: life that you've taken responsibility for.
1: That's exactly right. So fulfill that responsibility, and this is the time of year where you will, certainly if you've ever donated before, and I freely admit I have, to the ASCPA and to the Humane Society, probably more to the Humane Society, and um, they're promoting, and they're pretty good at tugging at your heart because they'll show some, some photos or short clips, video clips of real-life situations, and it's, it's no doubt that absolutely does go on and it's it's heartbreaking uh incredible. also wanted to share that something on a personal side, you know my my dog, our dog brute, our black lab, unfortunately uh passed away. we had to put him down on Thanksgiving evening, and uh, we're still dealing with that honestly, you know when they become so attached to you and part of your family, you don't get over that in a hurry, and so my, uh, my, our decorator, we have a decorator that helps with the house. And I'll, I'll talk about this on the other side of the break, but we were blessed with a couple of gifts. We had our family Christmas last night because my kids, as I said, my son and his wife are headed to Texas, so we went ahead and, and uh, celebrated last night, but uh, received a couple of, of gifts related to uh, our dog, Brute. And uh, I'll share that when we come back. It's it's pretty neat, and it was emotional and heart touching. Stay with us. We're in the Element Well Studios on middays.
0: Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk, Mississippi. So this is Christmas.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk, Mississippi. The great John Lennon bumping us into this segment. Yeah, so just to continue a discussion about uh, our beloved dog, Brute, Black Lab, that we had to put down on Thanksgiving evening. So uh, we have a, a decorator that uh, works with us on our house and, and also helps us decorate uh, the place up for Christmas. Julie and I are big Christmas people. We really love to go all out for Christmas and fix the house up, really make it look big-time Christmassy. And uh, so we have, we get some folks to help us with that. It's Nancy Price Interiors. And so our dog, Brute, they would do it, of course, when my wife's often at work and I'm here in the studio and out and about <laughs> taking care of other obligations. And uh, they're in the house, and our dog Brute is inside as well, and he supervises, you know. So, and he uh, was such an affectionate pet, and they, of course, came to embrace and love him as much as we did it, over the years being in the house. And, uh, of course, they were aware of uh, his passing, and, and uh, they started the to, to decorating. Uh, right after that, as a matter of fact, and they they missed him. So without our knowledge, they commissioned an artist to do a uh, a charcoal uh, print uh, rendering of his his face, and it's perfect. I mean, so we opened that. They brought it by yesterday. We opened that last night, and and it just brought back the memories. But it's such a perfect. Rendering of him, and it's just so well done and so we are so blessed and it's framed and we're going to have her come out and help us figure out a place to display it and The other thing is we have uh his his paw uh, in ceramic, and my my kids and the decorator and their folks they kind of combined and they had the the circular ceramic with the paw print in the middle of it uh, placed uh, in an acrylic box, shadow box with like spires of glass and and gold coming out from it. It's probably a foot and a half by a foot and a half square so they presented that to us as well. We're going to get that uh, also displayed in the house but what a a surprise that was. Didn't expect that and we're just blown away but Uh, Both of those gifts, we are certainly cherishing, and we appreciate them, and and my children as well, for thinking about that, with respect to Julie and I, and and our missing of Brute. So, hadn't decided yet where we stand on uh, bringing in another. We're, We're sort of black lab people, have been, and I think at this point, we're kind of processing the loss of Brute, we'll probably move forward with that in time. But we certainly remember and cherish our memory and our time with him. He was about 10 It was kind of a sad deal. Uh, I will say that our vet and their staff that cared for him in the final couple of days there, day before Thanksgiving, through Thanksgiving, they were just awesome. They were amazing. And uh, they got, of course, his paw print and his nose print. They had that on a piece of uh, thick, paper, and we're going to get that framed as well, and have that somewhere in the house. We had him cremated, and we have a a really nice, ornate urn that contains uh, his ashes. and So he's with us in spirit, no doubt about it, around uh, our house in so many ways. So, sad situation, but we move on. We just appreciate our time with him, and he was, as you can imagine... Uh, very much loved and part of our family and he was the king of the house of course and so many so many people of course as you do love pets and love to take care of them and it is very sad when you see them getting abused it's just it's heartbreaking honestly
2: yeah porch cat was one of the main reasons i got a christmas tree this year okay because she's getting a little older getting a little gray in her tail but she's still young and spry enough to where i was like it's time to get a Christmas tree. I've never had one in all the apartments I've had with all the roommates I've had. yeah, Closest thing to a Christmas tree we had was a Charlie Brown twig. <laughs> like an actual Charlie Brown twig from the Charlie Brown people. But, uh, yeah, I got a Christmas tree and got some ornaments from uh, Rebecca Turner's oldest. She made me some, and I got some from Amazon for my, my favorite comic, One Piece. So she has some targets to try to take off the tree. She still hasn't attacked it yet, but she's still getting more and more comfortable with it and playing with it a little more and more. So, yeah, you you do love them. <laughs> That's cool. Merry Christmas to Porch Cat. Got a treat. Good
1: for you. We're stepping aside for a break. It is time for Super Talk News, Fox News, because it is it is top of the hour. When we return, State Senator Scott Delano represents Mississippi's District 50. That's in Harrison County. Stay with us. We'll be discussing the 2023 session right around the corner.
2: Hey Santa
0: Claus! Uh. Hey Santa Claus! Uh. Hey Santa Claus! Santa Claus! Santa Claus! Uh. Hey Santa Claus! Uh. Hey, Santa Claus. Uh. hey Santa Claus! And now, and now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Midday's with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Everyone, hour two of midday Super Talk, Mississippi on this Friday Eve. We are in the Element Wealth Studios. Go to myElementWealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income growth and guarantees. Joining us now, the Senator who represents District 50, Harrison County in Mississippi, Senator Scott Delano. Thanks for coming on there, Senator. Good morning. How are you? We're doing just perfect here. So you guys are less than two weeks away. You'll be gathering up at the Capitol and making them laws again. Tell us what's on the radar for you.
4: Well, I'll tell you what, you know, the last three sessions have been um, just packed full of of really good work that we've done. I don't think that we're going to really slow down that much. You know, there's talk always of the last year. Of a term being a little bit slower, but um, I don't I don't foresee that. I think there's going to be a lot of things that we're going to have to address, and I think that the leadership in the state of Mississippi has been um, pretty pretty adamant about addressing the issues that that face the state. And I think we're going to continue to do that.
1: Okay. Well, what what do you see as uh, something you guys will just hop right on, if anything, uh, specifically when you convene on uh, January the third?
4: Well, I do believe that the ballot initiative is going to be something that, that's in the forefront of everybody's mind. I know that's a big ticket issue um, that we didn't get addressed last year or we didn't get it across the goal line. Yeah. And that's something that uh, I think all the membership wants to get that resolved and r- restore that back. Uh, restore those rights back to the citizens of the state.
1: Well, that's interesting. I, I appreciate you bringing that up, Senator. We had Senator John Polk on yesterday and discussed this matter with him. And he informed, and i, I got to admit, until yesterday, I was not aware of this, that the Senate actually did pass a bill, a measure, unanimously. Mm-hmm. Uh, the House, yep. of course, passed one as well. I don't remember the vote count but n- neither chamber would uh, get on board with the others and it seems like that the-
4: yeah you know that's that's something that's, that's it's a challenge because we, we do companion bills all the time sure and you'll have a bill that will be introduced in the house and a bill that will be introduced in the senate and they'll go through their respective chamber committees and then the chambers but then at the end of the of the session Whichever bill is is brought up, um, it, and it, whether it's a House bill or a Senate bill, it gets confusing to the public because they may not think that we've acted on it, but they don't see the other companion bill because it's not shown in our bill status uh, website to uh, to really for the public to compare after right. the fact. So right. it does get confusing.
1: And I, so I appreciate the senator for uh, correcting me on that, and because I have have previously. Pretty much reported it as there was a bill in the House, it passed, it got transmitted to the Senate, didn't really get any traction in the Senate. And, and I was aware of, the, I guess, the key difference and the key sticking point being the number of signatures required uh, to qualify a measure to place on the ballot. And and so I I, I did uh, talk about that extensively, but I was not aware the Senate actually passed a measure. So you've pointed that out as something you think needs to be addressed. I've kind of referred to it as the main piece of unfinished business, if you will, from the 22 session. Do you think that you can get something that both chambers can agree to and send it to the governor here? And again, that, that number of signatures being the main issue.
4: Yeah, I think that we will be able to get that done. That's, um, you know, I think we just ran out of time at the end of the session. There were a yeah. lot of other things that were going on uh, that got a little distracted, but got, got us all a little distracted. Uh, but I think this is something that, like I said, everybody that I've talked to in the legislature, both on the House and the Senate, knows that this is very important for the citizens and it's something that needs to be, that needs to be addressed in earnest.
1: Okay, good. Glad to hear that. What about uh, any continuation of the, of the tax reform that occurred in uh, 22? Might we see something additional to that? The governor's come out and said he wants to fully eliminate income tax. I sort of described the bill we got last year as kind of a down payment uh, on the totally elimination, uh, total elimination of the income tax. Where do you stand on that? What do you see happening?
4: Well, I'm in favor of eliminating the income tax whenever we're able to do that and last year uh, I know there was a lot of a lot of discussion about uh, timing of it but uh, I think that we've seen a slowdown in the economy and the uh, the Senate saw that coming as well and we know that there's a lot of, of phony money that's in our in our economy right now and when that starts drying up, um, we, we should expect our state call for our state revenues to drop as well Yeah, and I think that we, we did as in the Senate was just a measured approach uh, But if there is an opportunity to do something more, um, you know, maybe we look at something where we accelerate um, the 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 burn off to the 4% faster. Yeah, uh, and that's something that we could look at and I know there's gonna be a lot of discussion on that that's really something that the Finance Committee and Ways and Means will look at and uh, the guys like me that are on appropriations will sit back and, and watch and take take note of what they're doing and, and try to figure out how we're going to make our budgets work.
1: Yeah. So as I recall in year one we get rid of the 4% and then we phase out uh, 1% of the 5% bracket over three years I believe. So a to- total of four years to for the whole thing to play out. Well, good. I I hope there's more discussion. I, too, am concerned about what could be some tumultuous economic times. It certainly is likely to affect uh, revenues uh, to the state. Uh, Medicaid expansion, and then just really without talking about Medicaid expansion, just the health care industry in general and the state of health care in Mississippi. Of course, Dr. Edney at the Department of Health has raised this as a serious issue. I'm sure Senator, you've probably had discussions with uh, hospitals, providers, et cetera. What's going on there? How are we going to get this thing uh, turned around?
4: Yeah, you know, I, I think that it's going to take some, some action in uh, Washington to really address the health care issues, uh, but we, I, I don't think anybody expects that to happen anytime soon. Um, but for the state of Mississippi, it is a major concern. I know that there are a lot of people that are working on uh, coming up with some better solutions and and that's what the this process is all about we need to debate these issues find out what what are the pressing what we can do what we cannot do what are the strings that are attached to it and then what can we afford um, to do and I'm when well, I'm not saying that from a, uh from just a fiscal standpoint but we need to you know really do we need to take care of Mississippians, and there's a, an obvious concern there that we uh, that we're we're leaving some things on the table and maybe we should take a look at it and i'm open for those discussions but uh it's i'm a very conservative uh guy by nature and i think that my constituents are for the most part as well
1: yeah we need all the brain power we can get from uh, a, a variety a diverse set of disciplines to weigh in on this and and help come up with something to kind of change the trajectory, because right now it, it really doesn't look good. It's, it's kind of a national problem. It's not unique to Mississippi, as, as you point out. It's election year. Are you running for re-election?
4: Yes, sir, I am. look forward to January the 3rd when we can go back in and uh, go ahead and qualify.
1: Right. I, f- I got a file by February 1 in this cycle. We, we moved that up a few months so that might change the dynamics of the legislative session, do you think?
4: Now, it may a little bit, but, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't see that. We, we have a calendar that we work. We have to work that calendar, uh, and it doesn't move at all, um, regardless of qualifying or anything like that. But, okay. you know, there may be some issues that, that won't be addressed out on the, on the full floor until, until after February or until February. But, you know, I think that that's few and far between. We gotcha. do our work.
1: I got you. So something else that uh, other members of the legislature have discussed, Senator, is is the remaining uh, tranche of of ARPA money that you guys got to work on allocating as well. That'll have to be addressed.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I know that we've we've had a first round that's gone out of ARPA money for the locals to be able to use for some infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I think that that, that program um, works pretty well, and um, I've heard some concerns about how the grading has been done, but I think that the second iteration, that's why we have multiple iterations, is that we, we know that we can do some uh, modifications as necessary. I look for us to be able to work with our local entities a little bit better, come up with some... Uh, some better projects and make sure that we're able to get those projects started and underway and completed in a timely manner.
1: Gotcha. Well, you guys will be down there pretty soon, that's uh, for sure. And, you know, something else, we got about uh, 30 seconds or so left. Scott, are you guys going to look at any ways to cut spending? Is there anything anything we can strip out of this uh, $6 billion budget?
4: Yeah, so, uh, you know, I know that's not really, um, it's it's something that is a, a little difficult for the public to see, but we do quite a bit of work on, we're with our agencies trying to trim them down as much as possible. Okay. And I think what you're going to see, Gerard, that you know, you know this as well as everybody else, is that... Um, you know, our government is going to be impacted by this inflation and the cost of providing goods and services are, is going to go up. So I don't see that budget number going down, but okay. I don't see us increasing it in an amount that's commensurate with the inflation rate.
1: Appreciate you coming on, Senator. Thanks a lot. We'll see you down at the Capitol here Merry in a Christmas. couple of weeks. Merry Christmas to you and yours as well, sir. Take care. Appreciate it. We're coming right back here on Midday. Stay with us. Midday's with
0: Gerard. Gert. What?
1: What? This is so awesome. awesome.
0: On Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. O'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells on Hill ring spirits bright.
2: What fun it is to ride and sing a slagging song tonight. Well, Ella
1: Fitzgerald oh, jingle
2: bells,
3: jingle, bells, jingle all the way. Bumping
1: us into oh, this segment of Midday's Super Top oh, so Mississippi from the Element Well Studios. Appreciate Senator Scott Delano coming on. Oh, Senator John Polk yesterday, and I'm sure we'll be hearing a whole lot more from uh, those zany legislators. They like it when I call them that. Uh, So, Rhino, please share with our audience uh, what you were just telling me about this incident at the Richland Walmart.
2: Yeah, the details are still sparse, but there is a video circulating online that purports to be of the situation. Uh, You can read more about it at supertalk.fm. Just check out the news there. But there was a hostage situation at the Richland Walmart yesterday that ended in an officer-involved shooting where the alleged hostage taker was killed and the hostage, the Walmart employee that was being held hostage, is unharmed. Wow. MBI is currently investigating. Wow. Incredible. Just don't get it. Really
1: don't. Just don't get it. I saw a report last night The murder rate in many major cities is up precipitously. Philadelphia? 500. 500 homicides this year. New Orleans? I think setting a record, if I'm not mistaken. Not, they're very close to it. Unbelievable. What the heck is wrong with people? Just don't get it really don't. Mm mm. So uh on the C-Spire text line, Moe says, "Gerard, every state that has no income tax has higher taxes on other things like property and sales taxes. For retirees like us, we would end up with a higher tax bill overall." Uh what made you text in that? Mo? Was just curious. We talked about that a lot yesterday and it's fine. Uh certainly always willing to discuss taxes, <laughs> my favorite subject <laughs> from a political perspective, economic policy, I think is a better way to put it. And with this omnibus bill front and center, it appears that the votes are there, by the way. They've got some agreement on Title 42 to essentially keep it like it is temporarily, I think, Rhino, if I'm reading that correctly. As being reported, Title 42, of course, the pandemic era immigration policy that authorized border control to return someone who crossed the border. It's crazy you even have this, honestly, but to return them back to the other side, if they uh, don't, I don't know that they had to necessarily test them for COVID, but if there's For some reason, they feel like they may come into the country and spread COVID, which is nuts, just on its surface. But that policy does exist, and it is scheduled to expire, if I'm not mistaken, today, right? I think it's today. So I believe the agreement that has been reached, which has broken the logjam in the Senate, is let's keep it like it is for a while this is the way they operate, isn't it? Let's just kick the can down the road for a while, and we'll come back and visit it. And both sides will claim victory. Both sides will claim victory.
2: And the uh, the powers that be in the House are calling it a poison pill because the House doesn't support any extension of Title 42. The Democrat-controlled House Correct. as president. Pelosi's House.
1: Right. In two weeks, that changes. That's how crazy things are.
2: And they're rushing all of this at the last minute so that they can get home before the winter storm and before Christmas, even though all of this was supposed to be done in September. It's how they roll. It is absolutely
1: the M.O. in uh, Washington. So now we got this $1.7 trillion boondoggle with the 16 billion of stupid earmarks 7502 I did see where one senator maybe it's senator Ron Johnson has offered a bill that would reduce the earmarks by I think some 8 billion dollars or something insane like that but an amendment I should say not a bill an amendment to strip out a number of the earmarks and it's just crazy that all of that stuff is just laden and buried in the legislation. It's 4,155 pages. The only person that's really even talking about the insanity of it is on the Senate side that I've seen. You guys may have heard other senators. Senator Rand Paul, and he he actually forewarned this back in September or so. This is coming up, and here's what's going to happen. This is what he was saying back in September, three or four months ago. They're going to come up with this, they're going to produce this gigantic bill. We're going to get it two days before the government runs out of money. It's going to be all one big, crammed, packed, omnibus measure, and we're going to have to vote on it or partially shut the government down. He called it. And it's exactly what happened. They released it Tuesday. What are the odds that any of them has read this thing? Even parts of it, sadly. Slim to none, which just further illustrates that staffers run the country. Congressional staffers. From a legislative perspective, it's their design. It's their ideas, for the most part.
2: What the heck do we have these legislators for? Why do we got lawmakers? So they can go have fancy parties. Oh, okay. <laughs> and trips with <laughs> lobbyists. I see. It just seem
1: like it, honestly. Because, you know, they're not down in the trenches, writing all that stuff, even coming up with it. I, you know, it's... I would submit that they probably do have discussions with their staffers. I think that happens. And, and they'll sit around and talk about what about this, what about that, and they'll float ideas and they'll sort of whiteboard it. And Yeah, I think that happens. But then the problem is then the staffers go about drafting it, right? And when they draft it and then they don't review it and read it, you end up with stuff that's probably a little different than what was discussed. You think that happens? Oh, yeah. And then they say, okay, all in favor. I mean, I'm exaggerating a bit, but it's pretty much that is the system. That is the process. You get it Tuesday, it's 4,100 pages. I also learned yesterday that with respect to the earmarks, there's another 2,000 pages of details
2: about the earmarks. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the House member. I want to say it was the guy from North Carolina. I can't remember his name. But he was—he had a thread on Twitter going through all the different pork in the bill. And he was decrying the fact that you couldn't just look at the official document. You right. had to go to other documents to find the actual wording and the numbers. Well, that's it. That's the 2,000-page
1: document. That provides additional details. It's kind of like when you're buying something, you know, on an e-commerce site and you got the product and the high-level summary description, there's always a click here for more details kind of deal. It's tantamount to that. So you get the summary in the bill, it just says X dollars for something. And then you go look at the details in and, and you've got all this just pork in there, and it's and while the 16 billion of pork is is troubling, what's more troubling is that it's a 1.7 trillion dollar bill that increase is represents an increase of 200 billion, 200 billion over the prior year. It's about 500 billion than 2019. The 2019 period, that was the last year pre-COVID under the Trump administration. If we just returned, we shared this the other day, and I did the math on this. If we just returned to 2019 spending levels, based on our record revenues being produced, which we are producing record revenues according to the Department of Treasury official reports, we could get close to balancing the budget. Instead, we got a majority party leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, and a minority party leader in Mitch McConnell, and they're both going to the nation and proclaiming victory While they're overseeing the spending that is going to produce a $1.0 trillion deficit. I just can't wrap my head around that. I really can't. Time for a break on Middays. Coming right back with more. And we'll get to Moses' discussion of uh, income taxes. That's something I think that warrants further analysis. Coming right back.
2: Even Luther
1: Vandross has a
2: Christmas song. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I'm so he's arguably the most so the smoothest voice.
1: <laughs> what did Colonel Potter say? Not enough O's and smooth. Too. <laughs> that's when they. Uh, I think they busted open a package of some, some whiskey. And whomever survived, of he and his three, I think it was three buddies from World War I, the war to end all wars, they passed it on, and whoever was the last would open it and uh, celebrate, commemorate their lives. And that, I believe that's what the great Colonel Potter said not enough O's and smooth. <laughs>
2: With that goofy grin on his face.
1: Exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, what a great show that was. So I know folks are stressing out about the weather coming in. This, what we call it? Bomb cyclones <laughs> headed our way, sweeping across these United States. Elliot, but, for short. Elliot. Okay, I like that. But have no fear, Rhino. President Joe Biden is all over this deal. <laughs> I mean, what I'm dealing with. Incoming severe weather, I want Joe Biden at the helm, (laughs) watching out. So, he's feeling generous today. He's dismissed the staff early to go enjoy the holidays so that they can get on the roads and travel if they are. And I'm literally looking at a photo right now, folks, of the president sitting at that giant... Ornate desk in the Oval Office, and there's two ladies in the chairs, sitting atop the presidential seal, which is is uh, included in the blue, familiar royal blue carpet under their feet, and they're sitting there with what look like notebooks, papers, and so forth, and there is a a screen, a monitor. And it has got a map showing the weather forecast. And Joe's there. And then he's got similar papers on the desk, weather-related, with weather information. He's all over it. He is in charge. Be gone, you storm. Do no harm. I'm all over it. (laughs) Serious. Serious.
2: He says, uh, I know it's a drop in the bucket compared to the budget, but how much money is wasted on photo op foam board printouts for politicians on both sides? A bunch. Just so they have something that hopefully becomes meme-worthy or gets their point across and gets more votes. True. Because it seems like every time somebody stands up for a, a statement or for a debate or before a vote... In Congress, they've got 14 different printouts on the big foam board (laughs) made by the office there in the Congress. And here, the picture of President Biden behind the Resolute desk with another foam board cutout printed off in color. They leverage it, there's no doubt. And they'll have some crazy caption. Couldn't just have on regular printer paper printed out in black and white. No, it's got to be there for the photo op.
1: (laughs) They'll have some caption, right, that's always wordsmithed up by these uh, marketing experts. President Joe Biden protecting the nation from
2: bomb cyclones. And everybody's guilty of it. I mean, Rand Paul, as much as he hates federal spending, he's the one that's got the Rubbermaid cart covered in (laughs) stickers and posters printed out with quotes from him. It's true. That's just how we roll, isn't it? Like I said, I know it's a drop in the bucket, but that's got to be more than the average household makes in a year spent just on props. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely no doubt
1: about that. The market's going more downward. 660 is uh, a 660-point loss for the Dow at present. 367 for the NASDAQ, that's 3.42%. This is what's crazy about all this. So earlier we discussed that, okay, the Wall Street Journal has also picked up on the fact that the Fed... Uh, from a monetary policy perspective, and the, uh, the government, from a fiscal policy perspective, are at odds. They're conflicting, contending, confronting each other. Because the Fed keeps raising rates to address inflation, to tame it, and the Congress keeps, keeps pumping more money into the g- economy, which increases inflation so the markets are selling off as crazy as it is because oh shoot the economy grew at a faster pace than expected it was better and unemployment claims weren't as high as predicted it was better so think about that good news is bad for the markets that's because of this conflict between Monetary policy out of the Fed and fiscal policy out of the government. They get it. And so they're saying, oh gosh, GDP grew at an annual pace of 3.2% between July and September that quarter. That was above the 2.9% estimate. Oh, heck, That means the Fed's going to keep raising rates at a faster clip, maybe be even more hawkish than previously thought. Sell! That's exactly what it means. Same with the the jobs report. Unemployment claims aren't quite as high. Remember we told you, they want people to lose their jobs. They want to see our economy contract. That's their signal to start... Tempering interest rate hikes. So we're, it's all because of $1.7 trillion spending bills. Quit spending. Even more insane, as we've discussed, is both sides are taking victory. Think about that. Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, both. It's kumbaya. McConnell, look. We got another $85 billion for the military. And Schumer and the Democrats, look, we got more non-defense spending. We're going to be able to grow the CDC and the DHS and the DOJ and the EPA and the FBI and the IRS. Just go down the whole list.
2: And spend about a million per agency inserting an office of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think you're on the low side. I think it's more than a million. I swear I do. But no,
1: you're exactly right. You got to have that. That's obligatory these days, isn't it? And they, and they have these titles, all these people that work in those offices. They're like five words in the titles. That's, that's how you know they're worthless. The more words you have to attach to the title,
2: then the more worthless is the job. They mean about as much as all those medals on all the generals from North Korea's uniforms. <laughs> Good way to put it. He's got to weigh them down, right?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Walking around with all those medals. Yeah, what is that for? What have you done? Fired test missiles? <laughs> saber rattling? <laughs> you got to. That's right. The meritorious medal for saber rattling or something like that.
2: But yeah, that's what those five, six word titles are. They just impress other people in the beltway. That's exactly right. And cost
1: taxpayers money. That's exactly right. That's a good point, though. All the money that we're spending on that is insane. But and there's just no justification for it. You should know, of course. You probably know by now that Zelensky went to the Congress, delivered an impassioned speech, appealing for more money. And I think this bill, if I'm not mistaken, has $45 billion in it. 45 Layered on top of the 50-plus. Now, some of that is in kind. It's, it's military assets, weapon systems, etc. And he basically said, we are not backing down. But how long is it going to take, uh, realistically? And is, the longer it takes, more money it costs.
2: Speaking of saber-rattling, Putin had a response to Zelensky's visit. What's that? That they will begin deploying intercontinental ballistic missiles. ICBMs.
1: Nice. You mean those things that can travel a long distance and also carry nuclear warheads? Those deals, right?
2: Yeah, the, the same ones that created the Cuban Missile Crisis when they were placed in Cuba.
1: When they were a whole lot less sophisticated and powerful and had a lot less range. But yeah, those. They had to stick them in Cuba to threaten the United States mainland. Now you don't. At know that him. point, yeah. At this point, oh, he's firing from Siberia. Boom. Washington. Over the Arctic. Yeah. Golly. Andy Williams, Most Wonderful Time of the Year. That may be one of my favorite Christmas tunes. I remember the old Andy Williams Christmas specials. Those were awesome. We need to bring those back. Coming back with final segment in this hour on Middays and then a whole other hour after that. Please stay with us. The most
2: wonderful time Oh, the most wonderful time Of the year
0: Come on! Come on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. We are back! On Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: Come, they told me, par up a pump A newborn king to see,
0: par up a pump Our finest gifts we bring, par up a pump to lay before the king up a
1: so Mississippi's own Charlie Pride.
2: When we come
1: On the C Spire text line Favorite Christmas song is Oh Holy Night Sung by John Barry He does it the best It is good I like Ray Conniff. From the 60s, they produced an album, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. All the tunes on that one are good. They have a really good uh, rendition of O Holy Night as well. Really like that. Jerry in Waynesboro says, why not protect our borders? Well, that's the easy answer to that, because Democrats are in charge. It's real simple. They have no intention, desire, to protect the borders. It is deliberate. What's happening is deliberate. You'd like to think it's just incompetence, it's really not. It's deliberate.
2: No, because the far left doesn't see nations' borders as being humanitarian. That is correct. They also see lots of prospective voters, Democrat voters, pouring
1: over the border and settling in states where they could certainly benefit from their vote. I'm not sure they're calling that correctly, remains to be seen. But there, um, there's no desire on their part. I'm presently watching Susana uh, Martinez, former New Mexico governor, talking about Title Forty Two, and it's just temporarily uh, expanded, not expanded, but uh, extended temporarily until they can come up with something. There, there just doesn't, there's no consensus, honestly, on immigration you you hear the white house say the republicans are they're obstructing comprehensive immigration reform what they're really saying is republicans just aren't for totally open borders and letting everybody in and then funding their welfare with taxpayer money that's what that means it's not that's not comprehensive immigration reform i don't know Honestly, I've never heard anybody on the right say, well, I'm for totally shutting down any form of immigration. We don't want anybody ever entering this country, even through the legal process as prescribed. I've never seen or heard that. Nope. It's just
2: Republicans are staunchly against illegal immigration because Republicans are for rule of law. Absolutely right.
1: And so it, it is disturbing, however, again, that they're willing to get on board with this, uh, this omnibus bill. They, they could join together with 41 votes and stop it, but then I think they're so afraid of the partial shutdown and being hung with that and used against them in future political races. Which is why we need people to go to Washington who are okay if that should happen. If I do the right thing, what's in the best interest of the country and my constituents, and if that results in my ouster in the next election cycle, so be it. Hold your head high. Walk away knowing that you've stood on principle. That's what we sent you there for. But I'm not calling out anybody specifically here. I'm just referring to what seems to be a almost entrenched process in custom, and it's uh, definitely disturbing. The other the other thing the Democrats are pushing back on they don't want any full accounting of the money and assets going to Ukraine. Don't want a full accounting. They. It's been proposed, it's been floated, and they won't sign off on it. How how could you not want a full accounting of $50 billion? It makes no sense. What are you afraid of? Is it your golden boy, Zelensky? Seem to be in bed with him, honestly. I don't get it. So, William in Greenville says, how much will be laundered back to U.S. politicians talking about the money going over to Ukraine? I don't know, William, honestly. And I think that, again, speaks to this idea of full accounting. I did see a statement, I recalling it from memory, last couple of days, where Lindsey Graham, of course, the senator from South Carolina, all on board with this... Ukraine funding, so is Mitch McConnell, and something to the effect, Lindsey Graham said Americans should understand that that our safety and our well-being is being served by sending this money to Ukraine. He didn't really offer any, any details or rationale for that assertion. But he did make something. I'm paraphrasing it a bit, but that's basically what he said. I'm all in for this, and it's in the best interest of the country, and Americans just need to understand that. They're just capitulating, and I don't, I don't like to see it. We're just taking a break right here, coming back with the final hour of middays. Stay with us. On the Dow, kicking off hour three on midday's on this Friday Eve, worst year for the Dow, Nasdaq, and S and P since 2008. 2008, quite the sell-off. Just incredible. Nothing in this 1.7 trillion dollar omnibus bill. Nothing, of course. That would promote supply, from a fiscal policy perspective, boost supply, Such uh, so as to tame inflation. Nothing. Zero. What about that Inflation Reduction Act? When does that kick in? Was that a lie? It's just a lie.
2: Yeah. It's not even wordsmithing. Just ball-faced lie. Yeah, it's
1: just a lie. So... Remember that one of the key provisions in that bill, from uh, a category perspective, was a series of credits for green energy investments. Consumer credits we're talking about here in some business, but mainly credits to individuals, to households. We're talking about credits on their income taxes. When they invest in solar panels, and electric appliances, and electric water heaters, and of course the big one, electric vehicles. Well, it doesn't come as a shock that a couple of days ago, the U.S. Treasury Department, they have pushed back the release of the guidance for the credits pertaining to electric vehicles. From January to March, because they can't figure it out. This is the same dang thing that happened with Obamacare that I, I know I've run through on the program where all this all these complexities arose about what constitutes affordable coverage, and you got a, a couple and, and both work for employers that are required to provide affordable, coverage, and okay, well, do you count both employees' salaries, and is it for coverage for a married couple, a married with children, an individual? They still hadn't figured it out, and that now there's just safe harbor rules. They never codified it. Which, by the way, would get codified by the IRS, because it's all part of tax credits. And the same thing here. That's why this is uh, falls upon the Department of Treasury to issue the the detailed guidelines. And where what's going on here? Remember the provision requiring that the components, the materials used in the batteries installed in the electric vehicles must be sourced ma- mostly from this country's or for, from this country or the U.S.'s free trade partners, in order to receive the full amount. They can't figure that out. They're struggling with all the details of what is a critical mineral and battery component, because that's what's in the law. And and so they're struggling to follow the statute and devise these regulations and publish them. So they've delayed it. But we shouldn't be surprised. This is what happens when you create these dumb laws with these crazy credits in them, and, and you just dump it on the, the agency responsible for that particular area, Then they can't figure it out. That's exactly what's happening. So it's been delayed uh, until March. I did find, by the way... The, uh, I, I talked last hour about a notification I received that one state had already uh, experienced the brunt of the bomb cyclone pushing across. It's Wyoming, by the way. So, Rhino, they reported that the temperature dropped 40 degrees in 30 minutes with wind chills uh, breaking records. That is incredible. 40 degrees
2: in 30 minutes. I'd wake you up. It'll cause what's called a flash freeze, which is actually one of the advisories for North Mississippi tonight and into the morning is any precipitation we get because of the cold weather and cold air moving in after it oh. and because it's going to get so cold so quickly, any moisture on the ground or roads could flash freeze. I've learned more weather terminology today than I think I have heretofore. But it is only an advisory. It's not a warning of it. And uh, the reason I even went down that rabbit hole is because when I first looked at the picture, one of the little icons that they had sitting right over Oxford was snowdrifts. And I was like, hold up. We're not going to have snowdrifts in Mississippi, are we? And then I (laughs) dug a little deeper, and that was for a little bit farther north because that was from the National Weather Service Memphis office. Oh, okay.
1: It'd have to snow first to have snow drifts. We don't have any precipitation at this point. It doesn't appear associated. I just, I'm watching a, a weather forecast right now in the studio. And they just showed a map predicting power outages across the Midwest, the upper Midwest, and the Northeast. But about a third of New York State is in the widespread category. Uh, as are uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, and Maine, the New England
2: area. Which so is always a possibility when you have high winds.
1: Yeah, exactly right. So it's, uh, it's exactly what they're saying. The high winds are likely to cause uh, lines to come detached and fall, and thus you lose electricity.
2: It's looking like Title 42, the amendment, is dead in the Senate. Really? Yeah. According to uh, Senator Mike Lee, they had the votes to pass the Title 42 Amendment, including support from Senator Manchin. Yes. Then Senator Schumer called a recess, after which Manchin and others switched their votes. Wow. I wonder if that's because Manchin is
1: holding out for his pipeline crap.
2: That's how it's done. Do uh, they, they know yes, that you, if they put it in, it goes to the House, the House is going to reject it, it and they're going to be stuck in D.C. for Christmas. That's a good point as well. Which I really don't feel sorry for them since no. they had since September to get this done. Yeah, no doubt. And, of course,
1: the point there being, the House, remember, folks, is presently under Democrat control. They want 42 gone. They want totally open borders over, over in the House. So... I'm imploring them, even though I don't have any power (laughs) in a very small voice here, push for a continuing resolution to really debate and deliberate this budget when the Republicans have control of the House in a short couple of weeks. I did see an interview with Karl Rove yesterday, you know him, political pundit worked for George W. Bush, etc. He actually said the opposite. He said, I disagree with him on this, for the record. He said, well, pushing it into January and debating, it may take a couple of continuing resolutions, and, and by the time we actually get a budget, we're more than halfway through the fiscal year. That was his point. Okay, so we should just sign off on what is a really bad budget? I'm not getting it. I really don't, Carl. I, didn't, I, I uh, was getting a little flustered listening to Carl. I generally agree with him on on the political maneuvering. He's pretty smart about that stuff. But in this case, I thought he was wrong. I didn't agree with that. I, was, I thought it was a bad approach. That's what he's saying. So, I think you're right. They're worried that the House would hold this thing up. Nobody goes home. The government gets shut down. So now what, Senate Republicans? You're going to sign off on this omnibus bill without this continuation of Title 42? Wow. That is terrible. Thomas and Greenwood, so why aren't Senate Republicans blocking the bill? I think we've answered that, Thomas, and... I, um, I've i called on... I've said what I think they ought to do. I, I'm not in charge. I'm just one little private citizen out here. Pass the CR. Get the Republican House seated in a couple of weeks. And let's deliberate 12 separate budget bills as regular order prescribes. And that includes... Complying with the Paygo rule passed in 2010 that you waive every single time. Do it. That's what Joe Biden. Do it now, <laughs> Ray Stevens. I haven't heard that one in a while. Coming back with more here in the Element Well Studios. Lots of text rolling in. We'll get the to those as well. Please stay with us.
0: talk that keeps Mississippi talking. D-d-d-dow. Now, onto the real part. Dino Mike on Super Talk, Mississippi.
1: Bob Green singing in a very I don't know what happened to it there. Very high octave. just get out on me. Uh it's a little unusual for him. I I mean he typically will hit that that level in some of his songs. But that's a whole song in that oh, yeah. key. Wow. Senate's teeing up the funding bill. So Thomas in Greenwood says, They are cowardly. No other way to spend this. We're gonna be watching uh, also with curiosity how our senators vote, and uh, also our delegation in the House. Best I can tell at this point, the way they voted on the procedural motions, both of our senators would vote in favor of, of this measure, of this spending bill. Again, 41 Republicans can stop it. But that will mean temporary shutdown in government. Remember the last time that happened during the Obama administration? It's, what, two or three weeks of inconveniences more than anything, as I recall, like
2: shutting down the national parks. Remember the World War II? Well, some of those inconveniences exist still to this day. What's that? Well, remember he removed all the trash cans from the Natchez Trace. That's true. Now, no just trash about cans. every single turnoff on the Natchez Trace is sans trash can. Uh, yeah. That's right. The National
1: Parks is probably where he, uh, I guess, inflicted the most inconvenience. Thought thinking people would see that, experience it, it'd be more visible. See those Republicans, they shut it down. Political theater. Right. So, I'm not a big fan of shutdowns, but I gotta tell you, in this case, I'm for it. I think you gotta stand the ground. We are experiencing ridiculously high, sticky inflation. We got GDP and jobs data this morning that will pave the way for the Fed, whom this foolish president is totally relying on to address inflation. They're gonna keep with the rate hikes and and investors fear that may even be more severe in their hiking practices than anticipated uh, just a short couple of weeks ago when they increased the Fed Fund's rate by half a point And Jerome Powell, of course, told everybody, yeah, we're going to continue this trend until we get this sticky inflation out of here. But he signaled quarter point increments next year in a terminal of a, a terminal level of about 5% or so, but I think investors today, with the news coming out, think, no, nah, he's probably going to be more more hawkish. And all we need, if, if just on the fiscal side and the government, if Republicans would join together and block this thing, let the dang government partially shut down, and come back next year and debate 12 budget bills like you're supposed to. It's just simple as
2: that. And it wouldn't even be the longest shutdown, and it wouldn't be the first shutdown at this time in the year. You remember back in the mid-'90s, government shut down, what, 10 days before Christmas? Didn't open back up till January 5th or 6th? I do remember that. Yeah. I think it's time
1: to do it. I really do. You, you, you hate that that's the way... Uh, that's the path to getting things done. I really do. I think Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham are showing their true colors here lately on the ceasefire text line. Yeah, I, uh, I don't. I, certainly, it's manifested more vividly with this action and this bill than previously. Uh, and Lindsey Graham is, and Mitch McConnell are all about the Ukraine funding. I'll end that, but again, the bigger matter is just just caving on all these other woke earmarks that we talked about yesterday, a a rundown of all those special interest uh, funding uh, actions, and, and of course, Republican senators bringing home that bacon and bragging about it, as well and, and just not showing the business community we're serious about curbing inflation to the point that we are going to enact some pro-growth supply-side policies. There's just no none of those in here. Quite the opposite, as a matter of fact. With accelerated depreciation, immediate expensing passed in the TCJA under Donald Trump, Only 80% of such investments will be eligible for immediate expensing next year. And then there's another 20% in 24 that comes off. This is going to impact the economy in a negative way. And how they can just – I'm watching Schumer now in the chamber, by the way. They're teeing up the the vote right now. I just don't see how they can, in good conscience, with a straight face – support a measure that absolutely, unequivocally, without question, is going to produce a $1.0 trillion deficit. I just don't don't get it. And brag about it with no indication anywhere of, of any moves, any policy that would address that deficit in debt. None. Here we go. We're going to be voting on the eve of the deadline, and then boom, they'll get on their jets and they're out of there, right? It's just not good. They are breaking every law on the border. What's to argue about another law from Hoot Owl and Poplarville? Yeah, we can certainly assert that, but somebody's got to sue. You could sue, and it's been done, by the way, to some extent. Uh, which is why title 42 got stayed or, or the expiration of it. I'm sure this has been discussed but why do they have to include all the fluff like Ukraine? So, you know, and I don't want to dwell on that. I still think we spend too much too much emphasis and focus on that. And I'm not saying that that I support that or that's a good thing, but when you compare that to so many other crazy spending items, and the unbelievable amount of fraud and waste and abuse that has occurred with respect to COVID aid, and the $2.3 trillion the U.S. military, the Pentagon, can't seem to account for, I'm, I'm not condoning the Ukraine spending, but I I get the feeling from a lot of people, just to be perfectly honest here, that, hey, if we just didn't spend that money on Ukraine, all our problems go away. No deficit. No increase in the debt. Economic bliss breaks out. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. It's like, why are we all focused on that? I mean, that's just part and parcel of the bigger problem that just doesn't get any, any attention. Like like the expiration, and I know this gets a little wonkier, I guess, but the expiration of the, the immediate expensing of capital investment, that is a huge deal, way bigger impact to the economy. Without question, in $16 billion of earmarks going into this country. I, we had a listener yesterday texted us said we should be Applauding this. There's money in there for a a grant to a library or something at Mississippi State. There's $600 million going to, it's in a separate bill, but it's kind of connected uh, to the city of Jackson for water. We should be celebrating this. I'm not celebrating that. That's condoning bad behavior, incompetent government. We'll just bail you out if you can't make ends meet there. You just, If you just um, abuse your funding and incompetently manage one of your key services, that being water and sewer for a municipality, no, don't worry, we'll just send you money to bail you out. That's what's going on here. I just can't get behind that. And not convinced that that will solve the problem... I think it's going to be, again, rife with corruption. I I, I did talk to somebody this morning that that has talked to the EPA administrator that's presently in Jackson overseeing the water service, working with the city that said it'll be a long time before we ever see that money. I don't know about that. Uh, I haven't read all the details there, but I think if Congressman Benny Thompson has his way, it won't be a long time.
2: I mean, if that's the case, what's the rush to pass it?
1: I agree. What's two more weeks? Good point. I don't know. It's just really worrisome. And so that's occupying the news cycle right now, folks, is the Senate getting ready to vote on this thing. Watching Senator Marshall right now on the tube. Coming right back with the final half hour of Middays. Stay with us. Bring it on! Middays with Gerard
0: Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me. Been an awful good girl, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight
0: boop, 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 boop. Santa
2: baby A 54 convertible to light blue
1: There you go, a 54 I'll convertible i wait
2: up for you, dear <laughs> Santa baby So hurry down the chimney
3: tonight We
1: are back with Catwoman singing to us. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, yeah, the Congress is all on board with uh, their, their their boy, Zelensky, who's pleading with them for more money. They're all on board on the ceasefire tax line. So I was just talking about, from a, from a financial perspective, it's not a a big amount of money, but it's uh, I know it aggravates a lot of people. I'm with them. They were just sending money. And I think if we could uh, conduct a full accounting that has been proposed the Democrats have blocked and if we again in any time you have a a conflict like this, a war, what is the mission? What is the goal? What is the outcome? And this Feels like another one of those situations, especially with respect to to this country. Now, as you were talking earlier, Rhino, if if Putin has gone out there and he's saber rattling with the possibility of launching ICBMs, well, yeah, that's a problem. Now, is funding the effort in Ukraine is, is that a deterrent to that? I don't know. And it's it's hard to figure Putin out. He's pretty good at playing chess. You have to give him that. I don't know. But if somebody would just connect the dots, maybe there'd be more support for this. But I, I haven't seen any dot connecting yet. Now, I, I get the humanitarian aspect of it. There's no doubt. The country's being ravaged, bombarded. And there are innocent civilians that are suffering as a result, no doubt about that. But I still, obviously, that it doesn't take ninety billion dollars to address that issue. I'm just not sure what is the goal here. And I'm presently watching video. I listened to this speech. I didn't watch it, but I'm watching video as Zelensky comes into the chamber there, and he's what a hearty embrace between he and. Vice President Kamala Harris, who couldn't find Russia in Ukraine on a map, most likely. But on the c text line, it's symbolic. Slapping the face with our border invasion going on. That's the insult of Ukraine. I do totally agree with that. And I think even shared that yesterday, that the justification, the rationale that I even heard Biden say Two days ago, in advance of of Zelensky's visit, that we've got to support Ukraine, because they're entitled to their sovereign borders. What do they call it? Territorial integrity. That's the fancy word there for it, fancy phrase. Well, what about our territorial integrity, you goof? When does that enter into the equation? So I, I agree with that. It is symbolic. Plus... You should also know that there's money going to the Mideast in this bill for saying, for territorial integrity. Several nations are receiving direct appropriations. Jordan is one that comes to mind, and there's others in there as well. But no doubt, that is that is crazy, that we're giving money to these countries to secure their border, but we won't do it. We won't secure our own border. No, that's st- that's just lunacy. It's honestly, it's hypocritical, and I think it goes to show just how stupid they really do think Americans are. Just tell them that. Now, there's also a provision in this bill that does, in fact, increase. Funding for the various agencies involved, Customs, Border Patrol, ICE, etc. that secure and, and, I guess, guard the border. But some of that funding, there, there's explicit language in there that prohibits them from actually turning people away and rejecting their entry, but rather that money is in there for them to process and to take care of them. And to, to get them to stabilize them, the cartel's got to be laughing their butts off at us. <laughs> we're taking down those idiot Americans. We're enriching ourselves, and all we're doing is trafficking these people, shaking them down, and sending them into that country, some nearing death, honestly, hungry, exposed, etc. Oh, Americans, stupid Americans, will take care of them. That's what's happening. There's no doubt about that right now. So I I agree with that. Donald in Oxford says we are giving them billions in value of the weapons that were bought and paid for over the last 30 years. And it it is true. Rhino and I both did some research on this, that many of those weapon systems and those military assets were, were going to be just tossed, put out to pasture so it's old stuff we're not using he was by the way lobbying as you know yesterday for the more advanced weapon systems right which aren't on the list for us to discard so i agree donald we are and yes american taxpayers did pay for them now if they're being if they're on the list to be disposed of because they don't serve our military anymore I, I could get behind that certainly easier than I could just writing checks, because I do think that Russia is not friendly to this country and Ukraine is. I get nervous when they just send checks and they where there's no accounting for it, right. We we can't do it in any accounting.
2: Especially when you have Pelosi touting his visit like the visit from Churchill. That's true. With Churchill asking America to get involved in World War II. Uh, true. Exactly right. For a party all worried about optics and (laughs) the photo op. Yeah, how do how do you do that? How do you basically lay it out that we're hoping this leads to World War (laughs) Three? Pretty much. I think that's been
1: vetted, right? That happened. Sam from Mount Herman says, Gerard, what I want to know is how much of that money going to Ukraine is making a U-turn coming back to the Biden bank accounts. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are curious about that. And it's simply because you gave us good reason to question this with the Hunter Biden debacle. No, I agree. That's It's sickening to even think about that, honestly, that taxpayer money gets sent to Ukraine, gets laundered back, I don't know. And, it, and that's all speculation. We don't have any proof. But we got strong reason to believe it's at least plausible at a minimum. Yeah, Michelle Obama's walking trail is one of the earmarks in the bill. We certainly talked about that. We, we ran down the litany of all the craziness in there. Um, the LGBTQIA plus museum in New York gets, what, a couple of million bucks as well. Why didn't he just tell them to go get the trillions of dollars of weapons we left in Afghanistan? Well, none of those really suit the purpose. But yeah, that's a, that's a, a travesty as well, no doubt. It's definitely a problem. Uh... So on the ceasefire tax line, someone wants us to get the senators on the phone and ask them to explain how they intend to vote on the omnibus bill. By the time we could get them, we'll already have their votes. It's likely to happen, but it's there's a bit of a process involved in that. Just so you guys know, we we don't uh, we're not in a position where we could just pick the phone up, Rhino or I, and say and, and call directly to their office and get them on the phone. It doesn't quite work that way, and it honestly it shouldn't work that way. Uh, there's some, some scheduling involved in that, and there's some layers of people. And that's 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 everybody. And that heck, that even happens to some degree, to a lesser extent, at the state level as well. You, it's uh, impossible when you think about how many people are represented there. But I'm quite sure that we will have the opportunity to visit with uh, the senators after this at some point. The schedule, by the way, for the remainder of the year is already... In place. And next week, by the way, Monday and Friday, we'll be airing the best of uh, on all the programs. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we are, however, live. And then, Rhino, when do we start with uh, Steve uh, Azar? That starts on 12 23 at 1 p.m. Oh, yeah.
2: Right when we go off the air tomorrow from Carter Jewelers, Steve Azar will take over and Take you all the way till midnight Christmas night.
1: That'll be cool. Starts at Friday. That's right. At 1 p.m. He'll play hours and hours of Christmas classics and tunes from Mississippi artists, plus Christmas memories from Steve's celebrity friends. And you know what I hope tomorrow, Rhino, we're going to be at, at Carter Jewelers? I would like to take a break from the political stuff. I hope we can figure out enough to talk about related to Christmas and fun, happy stuff. I want our listeners to do the same. Be prepared for that, folks. Coming back with a final segment today. Stay with us.
0: You know what that means. Midday's with Gerard Gibbert.
3: We'll do it live
0: on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. Had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you might even say it glows. And all of the other reindeer he used to laugh and call
1: him names. They never let fall. We thank you for joining us on uh, Middays Today. Once again at Carter Jewelers Tomorrow. The best of Monday and Friday of next week. And live in the studio, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Gerard, I disagree with you on funding the Ukrainians. We are weakening an adversary at a fraction of the cost without our blood, and if the use of the Patriot system destroys any fourth- or fifth-generation fighters, the second- and third-order effect of that multiplies our investment significantly. Appreciate the analysis. And my major... Objection to the Ukraine funding again is i've I've yet to see somebody really lay out the goal, the mission and and what it means to this country and the taxpayers. Now it is true that it is the patriot system in fact is what he was lobbying for yesterday. That's what he seeks. It's my understanding. So if what our listeners saying here, it's true, and it, it makes sense to me. Yeah, if somebody, again, could connect the dots, I think maybe we'd get more support from the American people. But as it stands right now, we're not. It just seems to all be done in kind of the cone of silence. It just doesn't feel like it's all out in the open, and this refusal to allow full accounting is problematic. Again, I could get on board more with with uh, weapons systems than just cash. I get worried about the cash. Not confident in that. So, okay, that's an interesting point. I'm willing to listen more. I I hope everybody is. But to say that we got to do that to protect their territorial integrity but not doing our own is nuts.
2: I draw the line there. And it gets harder and harder to keep sending money when... With this latest tranche, the money sent from America to Ukraine for the defense of Ukraine is more than Russia's entire military budget for the year. Wow, now that's interesting. Incredible. Now, Russia has come out and said they want to spend, I want to say it was $600 billion on their military in the next four years. So that would put it, what, $200 billion a year, roughly. But last year, the only numbers I could find... Eighty-four billion dollars Russia spent on their military. Wow. Which is nothing relative to their GDP.
1: I don't know how it uh, calculates as a percentage, but I know in this country, based on this omnibus bill that's about to pass, we spend about four and a half percent, according to my math, if I'm doing that right, of our GDP on, um, on our military. And I believe that puts us in a position where we spend more than, like, the next two, next ten countries combined, which is insanity, if you think about it. Comedian Mark Lowry wrote, Mary, did you know he does a comedy skit, this is from Amanda from Pike County, that took place between he and his dad about whether or not Jesus knew from birth that he was the Savior, the Mr. Then Mr. Lowry sings the song Beautiful Modern Hymn If you're looking for content for tomorrow Well, there you go, Rhino we, um, I hope we can find enough to talk about Three hours We're going to have some guests I haven't reviewed who those are And of course the, the lakes will uh, come on Since uh, it's their remote and As they always do In the final segment of each of the three hours We'll have a couple of guests, I'm sure But we'll have other open segments And I sure hope we can we can focus on that. Uh, honestly, if this bill passes the Senate today, we got to talk about that a little bit. I don't want that to to uh, hold over until next Tuesday, like next time we're live. So we'll touch on that, but try to at least minimize the amount of uh, political and policy and content, and uh, maybe ask you guys to think about your your best memories of Christmas. You know the. Uh, that uh, kind of stuck with you. I, I certainly will be happy to share mine. Rhino, you as well, and maybe our listeners can weigh in, and we'll read them out and, and just uh, be positive and uh, experience a little joy and peace here, which is what Christmas is all about. As we reflect on Christ's birth, our Savior, that's what we should be doing. This time of year, so we uh, will try to carry that mission out tomorrow, which is the day prior to Christmas Eve. Very strangely, Christmas landing on a Sunday, the Sabbath, in what we figure eleven years till that rolls around again. Right? Twenty thirty three would be the next time. Wow, so it's a little little unusual for sure. But we are out of time here on the program today. Once again, we appreciate you joining us. And don't forget, it's about to get really cold. Just looking at that. It's coming in tonight, and tomorrow might be a quite the blustery, bitterly cold day. Stay safe, and God bless everyone. It'll feel
2: like the whole wide world is